Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. You know, this past week, I was privileged to meet several extraordinary believers. They lived together and they worked together under a common roof. And these Christians labor under St. Paul's principle that the one who labors is the one who eats. And so together, they arise each morning and they pray and they read the scriptures. They discuss the word of God together and they sing praises to glorify him. They start their day together and they return each evening worshiping and praying again. Now, you may think that I'm describing the halls of a monastery or the life of an abbey, but what I'm describing are the lives of women prisoners that I met in Gatesville, Texas this week. And these prisoners are Christians, believers. Some of them are longtime believers. Others are recent converts. Yet they share this unified joy in a place where joy is absent for so many inmates. Indeed, for so many correctional officers, so many staff. And yet there's joy with these women. And let me tell you, these women believers have a faith that's catching fire in Gatesville, Texas. There's women prisoners who aren't part of this group, aren't part of this program, who are knocking at the door to join their dormitory so they can learn more and see what this life of discipleship looks like. And it's all behind prison walls. Now these disciples of Jesus, they may be in prison, but they live lives of freedom while they're behind barbed wire fence. And I dare say that several of them are more free behind those walls than we are in the walls of this church in the free world. Because these incarcerated disciples, they don't live sheltered lives. Far from it. They're in the thick and thin of it. They live a life very much that's in the world, but yet walk as examples not of the world. They're still working daily, doing their work with prison jobs, daily interacting with prisoners who are far from Christ and who challenge each other daily. Challenge them with vulgar words, fighting, trying to draw them back into sinful habits and addictions. But those disciples of Christ live in that extremely challenging environment, trying to walk faithfully as disciples of Christ Jesus. But meanwhile, we, we Christians on the outside, find it far too easy to compromise our way of life, to compromise our way of living, to compromise and excuse ourselves to the ways of the world, despite living in a far less challenging environment than they do. Because those women who I met have lost everything. Everything. At least according to the outside world. Families are broken. There are lives that are ruined. And there are careers that are certainly ended. And yet, these women have gained life itself. The faith of so many of these women is strong. And the faith of so many of them is new, and they're hungry to learn and to know more. They have a vigorous faith, a hungry faith, and a faith that's equipping them to make transformation, not only in their own lives, but even within their community, their own prison. And that prison is the size of a small city. 
And they're painting it with the love of Christ and literally repainting it building by building. I saw the fruit of their labors as I got to tour the crops that they have planted and that are growing ripe for the harvest right now. Flowers in which they have beautified this once drab area in West Texas. And what I saw was blooming flowers, crops ready for a harvest that they had worked, tended, sown, watered, and were now being blessed with. And what about the fruit of that harvest, about the, the food, the crops they're growing? What, what, what's the point? They're donating that food back to the prison so that the cooks can feed their neighbors, their fellow inmates. It's as if Eden was re-blooming and spreading within the prison, cell block by cell block. And the outside community, Gatesville, is not forgotten by that community, by that prison, and by those prisoners. No, these women are sewing quilts and donating them to the local nursing homes. And isn't that our calling as well? To respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ with lives of faithfulness, of walking in godliness and struggling in our sanctification. Because no, these women aren't perfect. They continue to make mistakes. They continue to battle their own sins and their own demons. And we do too. Or God help us, I hope we're struggling. I hope we're leaning on the Lord. Because our call is just like their call, to take care and to feed our neighbor, to clothe them, to love them, to spread the word, to have such a transformation in our own life by the power of the Holy Spirit and by Him alone that other people are knocking at our door saying, what is it that you have that I don't have? We should be giving such praise and thanksgiving to our Lord, giving ourselves up and over as a sacrifice that we plant Eden block by block here where we live in Shelby County, in Jefferson County, and in beyond. Because Jesus said to his disciples, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in very much. And one who is dishonest in very little is dishonest in very much. If then you have been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? If you then have not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, then who will entrust with you true riches? Then if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Because no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate one, or he will love the other, or he'll be devoted to one, and he'll despise the other. And in case we haven't heard it, the Lord summarizes that you cannot serve both God and money. Christian, let me be honest with you. There are many of you struggling hard against serving two masters, or maybe even three. You're pleasing the expectations of this world we're trying to. You're trying to fill your empty soul with emptiness and vanities. And then finally, last and least sadly, you're trying to serve the Lord God Almighty. And you put Him at the back of the bus, least in priority. But let me let you in on a little secret. Let me share with you something about priorities. It's not about priorities. It's not about prioritizing God first and everything else next. It's about 
serving the true master, the only priority in our life, the priority who informs how we act, how we engage, how we love, and how we serve our families, our neighbors, our communities, how we go forth living a life of death and resurrection, living a life of gospel, of good news. And it's about sitting at his feet. It's about leaning on his bosom. It's about being fed by him and not seeking that meat from Egypt, the meat of the world, the one who formerly enslaved you. It's about rendering to Caesar the worthless riches of this world and rendering to God your heart, your body, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything so that you glorify him by serving in his kingdom. And Paul talks about this in a letter that he sends to his own disciple, to young Timothy, he encourages and admonishes both Timothy and us to wage the good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience. Sadly, Paul knew, and we know of others too, who instead have rejected this, and some have made a shipwreck of their faith. But you, church, we are called towards what? To stewardship from God that is by faith. You can't be a good steward. You can't go unless it's in faith. Rest upon the orders from the Lord. Rest upon the good news He sends. He doesn't tell you to go out and to go conquer and to go win the battle. He's sending us good news that the battle is won, the victory is here, and now we inherit the victory. The victory has been achieved. It's not up to us to make the disciples convert, but to go and make disciples, to preach the good news, to tell them upon the mountain that Jesus Christ is born, is died, is resurrected, that sins are forgiven. And that because of what he's done upon the cross, we now live a life by faith. And we don't need to worry about anything in this life. Anything. Our Lord encourages us he tells us, the Lord God clothes even the flowers of the field. And so too will he clothe us. Not worry about possessions. Not worry about when and where we will eat. But to have a trust in him that he will provide. He will give what we need. Give us our daily bread. We pray in the Lord's prayer. He hears that prayer. He knows what we need before we even ask it. We ask and keep asking, and He will provide. So what is this goal of living a resurrected life here and now in this world? What is the goal of the Christian life? And St. Paul tells Timothy that the aim, the aim of our charge, the aim of our orders, what we've been entrusted with, is a love. A love that issues from what? From a pure heart and a good, conscious, and a sincere faith. And that's a taste of what I experienced this past week in prison. In prison of all places. Disciples of Jesus Christ waging the good warfare against the world and holding to faith by a good conscience. They were faithful stewards there in the place where they were planted by God and living by faith. So what does our charge look like? How are we to aim, as St. Paul says, aim for that bullseye and not miss the mark? Tune in with me 
to Paul's letter to Timothy, advising him how to oversee his churches. When he says, first of all, first of all, this is where we begin, according to St. Paul, I urge that supplications, that prayers, that intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Not for just the church, not for those we like, not just for the family, but for all people. Verse 2, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. It's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And right there, we learn three things from St. Paul, that we are called to pray for everyone, from the leaders we voted for to the leaders we didn't vote for, for the blessings to live, a quiet, a godly, and a dignified life. Not a loud life, not a boisterous life, not a flamboyant life, not a life about me. And not an ambitious life, but a life that is quietly dignified and rooted in following as a disciple, our Lord and our God. To follow our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. To be filled by the Holy Spirit that He graciously pours out upon us in faith. And to faithfully live a life that follows him and not our own desires. But such a life, friend, such a life, friend, runs contrary to the way of the world that seeks self-promotion, that encourages branding oneself, that seeks to obtain that bonus or that promotion by any means necessary, and that stresses, that stresses self over selflessness. Now, sure, We've probably been in plenty of corporate meetings and seminars on being a selfless servant leader. But far too often, this is just really code for appearing as a selfless servant leader, but still meeting that bottom line and that quota regardless the price. Now, the second teaching we have from St. Paul is that we please the Lord our God by pursuing, pursuing the path of righteousness and not the path of worldly success. We may be failures in the eyes of man, but we're being drawn up further up and further in to God's glory through our own sanctification, through the holiness that God is bestowing upon us, through His covering and blotting out of our sins and giving us new life, resurrected life now. Because church, the eyes of the world are upon us. It seeks to devour you and your loved ones. We live in such a world in which rebelling against this evil age is done by simply turning off the internet and the TV. Rebelling against this evil age is simply remaining married to the spouse that you're faithful to. To simply remain faithful to raising up your kids, perhaps your grandkids, or perhaps the children of the church to be saints, to know who Jesus Christ is. To be faithful is to be in rebellion to this world. Not by taking up arms, but having arms taken up against you because you're boldly witnessing that you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. And that the world, those whom you encounter, need a Savior as well. That's what gets you crucified. That's what makes the apostles into martyrs. Is saying that there is another Caesar, another king, and his name is Jesus Christ. And finally, the third thing that we learn from this passage is that God is loving. And boy, is He merciful. He desires not the death of any sinner. 
And that is good news. Worth sharing and bearing, repeating. And there's a divine irony here that God does not desire the death of any sinner. And yet when we faithfully walk the way of Christ Jesus, when we faithfully proclaim and actually speak that truth in love, that Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, that that salvation for sinners will end up with you being persecuted, with you being beaten, with you being killed, as St. Paul and so many others of the disciples and the apostles learned firsthand. But let me remind you and encourage you of that good news that we hear through the gospel today. St. Paul summarizes the gospel message. And perhaps you've been like me at some point in your life, like, I just don't have the right words. I don't know how to share it. I don't know how to convince anyone. Stop there. It's not about convincing someone. It's about lovingly sharing the truth of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And St. Paul tells us in the letter to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony that was given at the proper time. And Paul says, For I was appointed as a preacher and apostle. I am telling you the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So when God planned, it was the perfect time to send God the Son into the world. He sent Jesus Christ into the world to be made man. And he came, Jesus did, to mediate between God and humanity in the way that no other man ever could. Not Moses, not David, not Elijah. None of them were the perfect man and intercessor between God and man. No, as Isaiah prophesied, it was God born into a virgin. God the suffering servant. God with us, Emmanuel, is how he saves and redeems us sinners. And Jesus is he who shares our sorrow, who is burdened with our own sinful iniquities, who is wounded and pierced for our transgressions, and who mediates, redeems, and shall resurrect us in the day of the Lord. And this is why we gather here today. This is why we assemble together to worship God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that blessed triune God who saves his fallen creatures and spares us from destruction. So therefore, how shall we respond to this message? Oh, Christian, oh, church, how shall we give service and render service to our loving and most kind God, the living God. And St. Paul tells us in verse 8, I desire them that in every place, in every place, that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger, without quarreling. And likewise also that women would adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. In other words, church, instead of inflating ourselves and our own ego, instead of bickering and, and quarreling about the smallest things here on earth, instead of following the world and living a brash, bold, allowed, self-glorifying life, we are called towards self-control. That's how we respond to the gospel. Not to adorn ourselves with material goods, but to adorn the world with our gospel-bearing lives. The fruit of the Spirit, that's the harvest that we're called to bear. That's the harvest that we're supposed to grow. Not ourselves, but through the Spirit working within us. And that fruit is to be shared with others. Not to be taken for ourselves and consumed for ourselves, but to be shared 
with others. Because our Lord has forgiven us greatly. So we should go and do the same and forgive others of any trespasses they have against us. The Lord has shared with us abundantly. He has fed us at His own table. And so we should go and feed others by the fruit of the Spirit and bring them. Come and see. Come and see. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Our words should not be self-serving or itching ears of flesh, but should be born in love and not in anger. We should be quick to bless and not to curse. Our lips should speak praise to the Lord God in earnest prayers for one another. Because the great intercessor came down for our salvation. And we are to be fellow intercessors for one another. So remember the words of our Lord from today's gospel. That one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in very much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest with very much. So if then you have not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, who will entrust with you the true riches? The true riches let's go back to the women that i met in prison they're waking up each day and they're having to fight to be faithful they're certainly not adorned with, with jewelry or the latest fashion instead they are adorned with the very prison garb that they were given they are adorned and they are adorning the prison walls with a faithful witness of jesus's powerful gospel in their own lives they adorn that prison with their faithful service and in fact, they continue to adorn each other in that community with gospel acts of charity. One lady, a 57-year-old woman who I met, who looked much older than her age, has spent most of her life behind prison. And she shared how recently she went to the commissary and she learned that her account was empty. Zero. Goose egg. Her fellow believers in her dorm caught wind of this. And they put their money in her account. This lady testified that this was single-handedly the most gracious and kindest act that she has ever experienced in her 57 years of living. That act was the most kind, gracious thing she's ever experienced. And I can't think of a greater example than Jesus paying off our own debts. Than someone who was imprisoned. And another fellow incarcerated person in prison with you is putting their work, their money, their merit into your empty account. These incarcerated sisters are engaged against the pessimism of so many. The pessimism of the correctional officers, the jadedness of their fellow inmates, and the skepticism of those of us in the pews, if we're honest. And they're also engaged against the demons of hell. Who are fighting to take them back through addiction to knock them off their walk with Jesus Christ as they faithfully continue and press forward and wage the good warfare to be faithful disciples of Jesus. You want to know something? They have been entrusted with little, but they are faithful in so much. And we have been entrusted with so much outside those prison walls. O Church of the Good Shepherd, we have what we need to survive day by day. The gospel is preached weekly, and Christ is given to us in Holy Communion. And we are given the opportunity to speak to God at any moment of the day, to have access to the scriptures, and to read and to learn, and to be faithful disciples. And we are thrown opportunities through our, our weekly lives to love and serve one another in the body and outside the body. 
So therefore, as Paul says, continue in faith. It all is rooted in faith. Continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So remember those in prison as we hear in Hebrews. The church incarcerated and pray for them. Pray for the church persecuted around the globe. And intercede for those souls of those whom you are going to encounter this week. May our daily prayer be for the Lord to reveal those whom we're going to meet today. Because we are entrusted with much the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's not waste what we have been entrusted, but lavishingly spend upon the men and the women that God puts before us day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. From the lunch we'll go and eat to Monday morning when we're at work, to those we see at the community center, to those who are there working out with us as well. Because Church of the Good Shepherd, we are called to go and to grow, not to sit and quit. We are called to go and grow and not sit and quit. So pray for the Lord of the harvest to open up our eyes so that we may callous our hands day by day with that busy work of reaping that which we did not sow. And let us join together in prayer to the Heavenly Father and ask Him, Lord, to break our hearts to seek out those in need of the gospel. Give us tongues to confess the name of Jesus boldly. Pour out your Spirit upon this congregation to rise up and to be good stewards of the riches of the gospel that you have blessed us with, that you poured out by the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, He who ransomed us from damnation into everlasting life. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.